you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Welcome to Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Electric People. I am joined today by Taylor Turnbull and Eric O. Sup, fellas? What's up, man? What's up, man? Good to be back. Good to have you guys back. <laughs> I'm stoked for today. We're sitting in San Diego. And um, for you guys that don't know Eric O, you've seen his name on the franchise list, <laughs> and you've probably noticed him as an up-and-coming leader in San Diego. So thanks for sitting down with us today, yeah. Eric. Thanks for having me. See if I can see if you can fact check my intro. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. All right. So Eric was one of the Oest of G's in the door-to-door <laughs> industry, working in pest control with Todd Peterson pre-alarms. Uh, yeah, pre-alarms, Not pre-money. Not many people knew Todd pre-money, What was Todd like back then? Pre, uh, well, <laughs> I just like to say fat, bankrupt, and out of shape. So, <laughs> and if oh, Todd's listening, I love you no matter what, man. It makes his story so much better, the fact that he came from that. No one wants to yeah, see like right. a super rich guy get super richer. Yeah. Right? Right. You want to yeah. see like a guy like go yeah. through the struggle and decline. <laughs> right. um, but at, you've had a life of sales and a life of sales leadership. So yep. after, after pest control, you went into pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Had a long career there. Uh, most recently, before joining us at Sunrun, you were uh, the CRO of a biotech company. Yep. And uh, I'm anxious to get into your the opportunity that you saw at Sunrun because you had built a career that a lot of people would really envy. Right. You were on a path of sales leadership that was really admirable. Mm-hmm. And so interested to see um, how you how you came in and 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 joined us here yep. in this industry. So you and Taylor work together. Taylor's co-hosting with me today. So what's up? Yeah, man, I'm 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 really excited to have Eric here today. He's uh, he's one of my favorite humans, and Eric and, and I have known each other now almost six years now. It's been a long time. Yeah. Six rocky since years. I moved down to San Diego. He was one of the first. In fact, he's my first friend in San Diego that I made. Um, he was we went to the same church, and uh, he was super welcoming. Um, brought me in was just like made sure he introduced me to like everyone and he knew everyone. He's Eric's like super well connected, so he just kind of plugged me into everybody, <laughs> and uh, and it was really cool. And then he ended up moving, um, so I'm, they weren't. And there I anymore. moved because at the time, the all the the youth would say my wife and I were the best looking couple, and then Taylor came <laughs> in and they said, Yeah, you had to distance Eric, yourself. Taylor and Mister are now the best looking couple. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know move. your spot, dude. You know your spot. Yeah, they moved, and then we moved, and we ended up being in the same yeah. church again. And so they moved again. They were like, "We can't have this." <laughs> we like, like, moved a block a away, here. or like yeah. a half a mile away. They moved, away. and so then we bought our house. We ended up like half a mile from each other. But we've been workout buddies mm-hmm. for a few years, and and Eric's like one of the hardest workers, just super genuine. So I'm excited to have you on here and have you do most of the talking. <laughs> yeah, um, man. So I'm grateful to be here, guys. Just, just. Yeah. Throwing that out there. Yeah. Lest anyone think you're not grateful, you are. Yeah. I am very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> he is. So um, something about Eric that's interesting is you were actually on the U.S. bobsled team. And most people don't know that about you. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, not much to say. I was the shortest U.S. bobsledder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, shortly right after the O2 Olympics. The U.S. team was looking for athletes. And so I had my just my stats through what I played at BYU or in college playing some sports. They had my 40 time and so they found my 40 time. What was gave your me 40 time? <clears throat> it was quick. What was it? It was quick. <laughs> well, back then 
It was pretty fast. So <laughs> so like I know there's like fours are fast and fives are slow. So, what was so I was below the fives and, right. and the fours. I was I had a good time. That's cool. But they they were looking he's not, for he's really you not were like tell us you were like time. four or five or below, <laughs> around four or five. I was I was quick or or fast. Yeah, I was faster than four or five. He's not going to brag. We're not going to really move fast. on until I get the real number. <laughs> I was low four fours. So Dang, that's yeah. great. That's so, really fast. But um, you had a life of like athletics, or you ran track, or what? So, so you don't I, get that fast without like <clears throat> deliberately getting that no, fast. No, I, I played football yeah. and then um, I got pulled at BYU for rugby and then I walked on onto the football team. And so um, that was kind of my career. You guys and were then, really good in rugby back then though. We were good. Right, at BYU. Yeah, we're still good. Did you yeah. win a national championship then? So, well, we were the crew that, um, so the national championship was always on Sundays. So, oh, okay. So we weren't allowed to play, but we were the last season in uh, 99. We said, if we don't play on Sundays, nobody does. And mm. so we went and won the Elite Eight and then forfeited and caused a huge lawsuit. And then we countersued. So U.S. Rugby sued BYU. BYU For not playing on Sunday? For not playing. Because we messed up, if you think about it, the Elite Four or yeah. Elite Eight. And then there's only three teams going into the national right. playoffs. Right. So they sued us. We countersued. And then now the reason why we can have national playoffs is because... Because of you of guys. Team. Yeah. So we messed up the whole thing and it was... <laughs> but you, but BYU rugby has been a powerhouse since yeah. then. So you guys... We've been... Even when I played, we were always ranked top four. We would beat the number one teams in the country. Oh, that's and awesome. We just weren't allowed to play in the national playoffs. So. Cool. So they had my times and then... So that you got recruited. Yeah. So they... Well, they called me and said, hey, um, we'd like to invite you to come try out. And like, who doesn't want the opportunity? Yeah, sure. So I trained, flew out to Chula Vista, which is now my backyard. Mm -hmm. And then went and worked out and with the team and then... You train for the bobsled team in Chula Vista, like on the Mexican border. <laughs> yeah. That seems <laughs> like there's sense, better right? places to train for bobsled than Chula Vista. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of weird. But I did, at the time, I didn't know where anything was. I just showed up and yeah. walked down the field. So, so how was the how'd the tryout go? You have kind of a cool story about that experience. Um, if you can dude, sum yeah. it up for us, how was you're, that? You're piercing everything today. Um, <laughs> this is probably... This was a special moment for me. And it, it kind of goes back to just how I was raised and just core beliefs of life. and But... Um, trained super hard for the whole tryout. And what you do in the tryout is you have to do, um, you have to do, it's a, it's a 30 meter sprint. Cause in bobsled, it's not a 40 meter dash. It's, you have a certain amount of distance to get the bobsled going. And then you have a 30 meter fly, which is sprinting into jogging in at 30 meters and sprinting. And obviously everything's laser timed and then you have plyometrics, but I'll make long story short, essentially on my first sprint, I blew my hamstring to the point where they told me, the physician said, you can't participate anymore, like you're done. Um, and then I had my own little spiritual moment and, you know, I sought help from what I believe is where I got my help and I, I just asked for a miracle and then got some. But there was a cool thing that you expressed during Oh, that yeah. Day. So what happened was I remember I, I never cry and I wasn't crying, but I was sitting there kind of crying. And <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show I don't cry. I was All not right. crying. <laughs> Going forward. But I was by the, the, uh, the pole vault the mat and I still remember exactly where I was because behind me was... Um, Marion Jones training, which I don't know if you guys remember her. Mm -hmm. She was the 200 yeah, meter yeah, sprinter. Yeah. So I just remember being like in this really amazing spot, but devastated. Yeah. Where I should have been like chasing something big. And so because it was a popped hamstring, like you, that's not something. It was ripped. That's the thing you need to sprint, yeah. right? So once that's gone, there's nothing you can toast. do. Yeah. Right? So I did my own little, you know, for me, it's prayer. And, um, I remember the moment though, I remember just expressing gratitude. I was, I was just grateful, regardless of what ha had happened or what was gonna happen, I was just grateful that I was even given the shot. 
And so, and I believe for me, and, and it goes back to sales too, that that was like a moment where, um, and everybody talks about um, the term, um, what is it? Um, being intentional. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we, we, we want to be intentional, but we haven't paid the price to be intentional. So I think gratitude mm -hmm. is kind of the foundation of that. So that gratitude opened up, you know, what I call the windows of heaven, where I just received information that I needed to do. And so I, I had a vision, I call it a vision, but of this neoprene sleeve. And now remember, I'm old, I'm 46. So back then, there wasn't such thing as compression. But I had seen a body glove neoprene sleeve when I walked in through the, the training room. And I asked Coach Sands if I could borrow that. And he, again, was like, dude, you're done. Like, don't break, make it any worse. But I put it on and then and my thought I had was to tape it super tight around the belly of the muscle where I'd ripped it. And so I taped it super tight. And nowadays we know about compression and I truly think that that's what helped me, but um, was able to fulfill the 30 meter fly, which is the jogging to 30 meters in the sprint. Uh, it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. But what happened was the plyometric testing because of the way that it had been taped from people I've talked to since later, like, yeah, that's, you were able to finish that plyometric testing because of that neoprene sleeve in the way that you take it. So it actually so helped you. It helped me, it helped me get through it and my testing was excellent in the plyometric testing and then I got a call as I was heading to the airport to head back home saying, hey, we're inviting you back out to Lake Placid. We want you on the team. And so I started training out of Lake Placid and Dude, that's, that's what incredible, happened. man. So, like, you know, that's, it's interesting though because, um, you know, that's a success story for you, but I think a lot of people would have taken that as I had this opportunity, but then this happened. Yeah. But all, I think, man, like all, like great moments like that had a time where the resistance pushed back, where it almost didn't happen, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Like, that's such a cool thing. It's also a cool thing that you can think to be grateful in that moment, right? Yeah. Rather yeah. Than, than. And I always think about the doors, like when you're on the doors, like how many times, even the great, great big hitters, they constantly are getting slammed. And it's not like they're just amazing. It's what, I think what it is, is they remain grateful and they can power through it, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the grind and they can get through it. So they keep knocking and knocking. Well, and it kind of keeps, like we talked today, we did a training with the San Diego team, right? But we talked today about, you know, the hardware of your brain or the software of your brain and the hardware of your body. Yeah. It's almost like it resets your software so that yeah. the hardware can perform if yeah. you can stay grateful, not upset. Because you're upset or you're, you're otherwise like distracted in your brain and then your performance goes all over. Oh, the place. Totally. Like you go full tilt, you start, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you get out of that state. Um, so a lot of people... Um, that have been watching your career, myself included, I always say I'm like such a fan of direct sales. Um, it's been interesting to see your ascension because we're in San Diego South. So um, this office has quite a, quite a legacy behind it. And to see that you've only been back in direct sales for a year. So I'm interested in, in your climb and the opportunity that, that, that you saw as you, as you guys became mm -hmm. friends and, and I guess how that whole thing worked yeah, out. Yeah, I think, I think one thing that's important, it was an important lesson for me to learn through this process was that I never talked to Eric once about this job. And I knew that he had been like VP of the West Coast for pest control way back in the day, but I, I knew that the timing wasn't the right timing. He was doing really well in his career and, you know, everything was good. And so we were just friends. Like we had a, I cultivated the, or not I cultivated, but we had this relationship that had nothing to really do with work yeah. or anything else. We just were buddies and we, we liked being around each other. And we would just check in periodically, you know, and sometimes I'd call him, sometimes he'd call me. And we had this time about, it would have been like 18 months ago where we started to talk a little bit more frequently. 
and he would call me to complain about his CEO, you know, and, and just kind of talk about how he was he was coaching. So he was coaching his son's uh, his son's football team and other in his daughter's rugby team yeah. and all this other stuff. And his his boss was his CEO. He's the he's the CFO. His boss, if he wasn't in the office, would like call him and be all mad at him. Right. And so yeah. he would call me and kind of complain so, about this. And I'm not a CFO, C- Chief Revenue Officer. Oh, sorry, but sorry, like, I'm sorry. I'm not a members guy like that. But yeah, yeah. I, would, I would always remember, and I'd have to leave. I'd get my stuff done. I'd, I'd show up, and she knew I'd show up at 6 a.m. Like, I would get there, get my stuff done, because I'd have to leave early to get back to take care of all my coaching stuff. And she would call me, where are you? And I'm thinking, I'm the Chief Revenue Officer of a <laughs> $100 million biotech company. We're, we're nailing our numbers. What is Why? this? Yeah, what is this? <laughs> this thing. Yeah. So she would call me. I'd call Taylor. Dude, <laughs> this freaking sucks. What's going on? And so I just complained to him. It was pretty much at least once a week. Yeah. Just driving yeah. me nuts. So this is like micromanaging you and oh. low trust or what? Yeah, low trust. Well, it's it's more of the owner CEO mentality. They build it a certain way, and that was my role was to find the replacement CEO. So usually, mm-hmm. as a chief revenue officer, if I'm not the CEO of a smaller company, I'm the chief. Re- I was a chief revenue officer of a bigger company, growing it, trying to double it, but also trying to replace the founder CEO. And that's typically what you find with the founder CEOs. They just they manage differently. Mm-hmm. You're trying to break free from that. Yeah. And so, um, fortunately, the best thing that ever happened to me is we found the CEO replacement. Re- we're in the process of replacing her. And usually I have about a year to work my way out. Um, at, at that point, I'm kind of done. I want to work out, work my way out to get to another role. But he ended up just bringing his own chief revenue officer in. And like I literally found out that day that I was getting laid off. You and found your own replacement too. Yeah. They gave me a nice severance, so it was easy. But I remember calling Taylor going, dude, the best thing happened to me today. I just got fired. Like, this the best thing <laughs> in the he's world. He's like, congratulations, bro. That's <laughs> yeah, great. totally. Well, the funny thing was he was, you know, he's calling. He's like, he's like cheering because those were the conversations we were having. <laughs> and then he had all these other offers. So he's like, hey, I want to talk. I just want your advice on what you think I should do. And for me, it was kind of like, I, I just had this thought like, okay. Like Taylor, it's, kick me in the balls. It's, ti- <laughs> it's, it's time to talk to Eric about Here it comes. You knew this it was opportunity, coming right? Yeah. And up to this point too, granted what you had said earlier is like, you never brought it up. I always knew what you did, but I had this kind of this chip on my shoulder. Like I had yeah. been there, done that, and I was never, ever going to knock a door ever again. I, well, and pest control is pretty different than solar, yeah. but if that's all you knew before, yeah. it's like that's that all I knew. grind, right? Yeah. And I left it and I was like, I'm never knocking the door again. So that's why whenever, if it ever, it never went that direction, but I always remember thinking, dude, I can never do that again. Yeah. Like, don't ever talk to me about yeah. door. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sometimes he would ask me about the job, but then I'd start talking about it and then he'd like quickly change the subject, you know? <laughs> I was so, like, PTSD. Like, I'm doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested, but don't talk to yeah, me yeah, about yeah. So How much we went. Now? So yeah, we no, went to care. dinner <laughs> with our wife. I finally said to him, I said something on the phone to you. I can't remember. You said, and I remember I was driving home happy as i don't even know what happy as a clam meant but i was happy as a clam yeah, and he said happy. are you done chasing titles and that's i remember pausing going what do you mean by that and so and then we kept co- talking but that's when the year started churning for me are you yeah. done chasing titles yeah. and that was something that i had experienced in my own career right where it was like going from the vp level at corporate to the point where I was like, okay, the next step is you get, you know, senior VP, you get C level, and th- that's the, that's the pathway. 
But for me, it was more like when I made the decision to come out here and you were a big part of that, the decision really was, hey, I, I have pretty aggressive goals and I can literally buy back years of my life. Like what I, what I plan to do in 20 years, I could actually do in this job in five. And, um, and so that was for me really kind of like the key point. And so looking at Eric and, and seeing where he was and knowing what his skill set was, I just knew that I could sit down with him and show him the, the opportunity and he would see it and like and recognize it for what it was because he had spent his career. A lot of times, you know, guys will, will come to me and say, hey, man, like I want to go start my own company or I want to go do this or that. Eric, Eric's been there, right? Like he's gotten equity in these companies and he knows what that's like. Like he knows what what has to happen in order to get a payout mm-hmm. in those things. And so my comment to his was, do you want to go get equity again in another company and take them from 5 million to 100 million in revenue and not really get the benefit of that, right? Yeah, a lot of it was, yeah, because I've been there. We sold a company to Merck and um, it was great. It was a predictive informatic platform. It was our first startup. We yeah, raised 12 million. Yeah, of course, a predictive informatic program. I, yeah. I do hell of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about right now? So it was uh, early days. If you think about all your diet trackers we entered in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we were probably, we created one of those first codes. Oh, and then really? we, we would, could track bariatric patients and then we could start predicting because a bariatric patient is an orthopedic patient, it's a cardiovascular patient. So we could, by all that data, we could start tracking and through the algorithm, we could kind of start predicting what was going to happen next for these patients. And so we sold that to Merck. And long story short, um, I realized that at the acquisition that although it was a pretty good acquisition, I, we had sold most of the company just to get the, right. the, the, mm-hmm. the revenue or sorry, the, the So the capital. carrot that had always dangled out there in front of you was still was, being dangled. Yeah. Right? So I so so when you had said, are you done chasing t- titles? It made me I had to really do a long, deep and didn't take long. Actually, it was just. Yeah, I am. Like, because it was more, I realized it was more important for me to be a chief revenue officer or a CEO or a VP of sales or to have this, this kind of this knowledge that people knew that I was in the VC world or that mm-hmm. I was playing with um, Bay Area startup money or something. Like, it was so important to me. And at that point, I realized, dude, I hate it, but Taylor's right. <laughs> and when we had dinner, so we had dinner with our wives who are fr- who good friends too. And, uh, and it was interesting because that was one of the things that I said is is the hardest thing for you coming into this job mm-hmm. is going to be to just take that hard swallow of like, okay, I'm no longer this like prestigious guy. Like I'm a door-to-door salesman yeah. again. That's what I do. And I think, um, and I think, and I told him, I said, that's going to be your biggest struggle is mentally to accept that. And to go back into that and really and really own it, right? Yeah, that was a that was a big that and that whole dinner we did discuss, and that was for me. The whole process was just humbling. Part of it was just my career. At that point, when Taylor said, "You're done chasing titles," that's when the humility part started. Now, I don't know if I was truly humble, but I just know I felt different at that point than I ever did. Hmm. And so, when you had said um, that would be the hardest part. And you gave that example of when you knocked on some dude's door during a blitz <laughs> and he was making fun of you and you're thinking, yeah, I make 10 times more than you ever would make in <laughs> right. 15 years. Right. That's when I really had to start thinking. So for me, it was never, can I do this job? Is could I, can I do it and manage my lifestyle? 
like not try to be a pest control guy again, but can I do it and create sustainability for what I need to do? But can I really humble myself? And so when I came into this, it was it wasn't whether the job would be hard or not. It was can I humble myself? Can Isn't I, that weird though? Because you know, you're describing a place in your brain where it's like the opportunity actually, from what I understand, financially is bigger. The freedom is more and your ability to to operate you know and, and create the way that you want to without somebody over your shoulder mm-hmm. is, is is also greater but there's this mental world yeah. of all like the, like the thing that you were hung up on didn't actually exist but I'm, I'm appreciative that you're talking about it because so many people run up against that and i think it's interesting because as you're talking like you're very accomplished you've done a lot of things you're really smart but you don't always have to talk about it. Like to your credit, I've known you for that year that you've been here. And every now and then I'm like, whoa, like he's done a lot of stuff, but it's not like, to me, you don't seem like that at all. To me, it it doesn't seem like you're the type of person that needs other people to know the things that you've accomplished. You know what I mean? I look back and I did, like I just was in this different place, like, that's really honest. As a douche. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a really, it's a really, it's a deep dive that you have yeah. to do, right? And you have to be honest because even though you may not have been like talking about it all the time, it was in your mind the thing that was important to you, and I could relate to that because I, 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 that's where I came yeah. from. So I came from the same world as you did, and I and I could, felt like I could really relate to the the place you were coming from. Um, now, kind of to switch gears, but on a related topic. You've now grown into a, a, a pretty major leadership role on our team here in San Diego South. And you've done so in a pretty quick time. There are a lot of people in the room today at our meeting who've been here a lot longer than you have, who have not been able to grow at that same mm-hmm. pace. Um, for you, what do you, I mean, I think I know a lot of the stuff that you've done and I, you know, I could, I could say some of those things, but What's the mentality that you brought to this to be able to experience growth at, at such a rapid pace? And for our listeners, sorry to cut you off, but for our listeners, you, I mean, 30 installs last quarter, right. right? You built a squad, a 50 install squad last quarter. Mm-hmm. That squad is going to do 75. I mean, your squad is the size of a, of a decent sized team yeah. getting started and, and built. Yeah, you've got 14 direct recruits just on your squad Mm -hmm. and you did 30 installs last quarter. Yeah, (laughs) and a lot of people look and it's so funny because we spend a lot of time recruiting and a lot of guys like, oh, there's no room to grow. But I'm like, I see this growth and it's so much faster than other places. So same question, but the, the, the accomplishments have been pretty incredible. I've been doing this for a long time and you don't often see somebody that takes off like that. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Like, yeah, that's so a lot of pressure, man. Don't my, screw this up. My first thought and feeling is, um, I hope I can keep it going. <laughs> like, I'm going to work my darn it. I don't want to... You're a real like, confidence machine, Eric. I just don't want to let you guys down. The pressure, it's a good thing. Um, so, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you think are the keys oh. for you that, that kind of have gotten you? What are the things you focused on? There's a few things and it comes from different angles. So, I, for the, the first thing was coming into this um, and I had done... I had. Done a couple, had a couple conversations with um, Taylor Judd, Mike Evans, um, with you, um, and conversation with my wife. My wife has always been nothing but supportive. In fact, she'd probably kick all of our yeah, butts she in this job. Yeah, she'd do way better. Um, and, and my sister, who's been really influential in my life, and they all just, my, my sister and my wife are always like, yeah, dude, this is easy for you. Just go. You can do it. We trust you. 
whether you fail or not, but you're not going to fail. Like we, we got your back. So that was easy. The next thing that um, I remember Mike Evans and Taylor Judd told me is when you come in, just crank like six months of just hard work to put your head down and go. Um, and then you had shaped my mind by saying, um, you got to get over the fact that you're just door to door. Just accept that. So I had to wrestle with that. But the number one thing was the self-assessment where I looked at it and I thought, okay, dude, you've done pest control door to door. You were successful then. Um, you've done really well in your career. You come from an, a place where a lot of people work their whole career to get to. You make good money. It's, that wasn't an issue. Um, when you come in, you could try to rewrite the playbook. You could try to come in and be creative and to try to do it this way. Or, my number one thing was, and I just concluded that I was just going to do whatever Turnbull said. Whatever Taylor Turnbull says, <laughs> I'm just going to do. And that really has been the number one key is humble yourself. And actually, I, I, the hard part is staying humble. But I know when I came in, it was just easy. I just, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever Turnbull says. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. The second part of the mentality was... You're really lucky that was Taylor, because think of yeah. that philosophy if you pick the wrong dude. <laughs> like, if you're like, I'm just going to do whatever Walter says, and Walter's a bit of a screw-up, it's like, uh, that, that's a strategy that doesn't yeah. always work. You yeah, know? you're right. Freaking I, Walter, I, dude. Freaking Walter, man. Who's Walter? There's, there's just a, a proverbial Walter. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Everyone knows who Walter is. I feel like Eric's only been here for years, so every now and then he's like, we I don't have know these anything. people yeah. that we've known for years, and he's like, wait. So wait, I don't know wait is Walter people. a real guy? Or I don't know these people, plus I'm 46. So I feel like I'm outside of everybody's <laughs> subculture. So yeah. I'm an old guy. Um, but I, I think that it translates to if a DM, if, if a DM's telling you what to do, that's probably a good yeah. position of leadership. Like I would trust that for sure. Well, and I always say that leaders are good students because there's so much it, there's so much less mental energy and just like drain and grind yeah. associated with saying, I'm not gonna try and reinvent the wheel. I see the result you're having, it's a result that I want. I'm just going to go ahead and plug into it. But that allows you to, to, to plug in at 100% and not have all these other like external factors yeah. that are like pulling you away from your performance, you know? That's such a good point because you, when you analyze it, the reason why people are coming to this job is because of what you accomplished. It's, yeah. a, it's a storytelling yeah. kind of recruit. They come in because of what you've done. And then why, so logically for me is why would I try to change that? Mm -hmm. I want to duplicate what Turnbull had already done, so why change it? So I came in and literally just i put my head down and cranked four to six months and you know my hours it was yeah i was what were they so <laughs> i was i was also the the called the commissioner for our pop warner football program in encinitas so i was in charge of 250 tackle football athletes and another 200 cheerleaders so i was responsible the for cheerleaders that. that get you yeah man. Dude, a lot of drama my gosh. don't give me stories <laughs> seriously <laughs> <laughs> really like bullying and all these that happens on wow. in our experience yeah. that's where it was and the yeah. football is just like and you can't tell them to like do burpees not, or up downs or hit each no, other you can. Like, <laughs> you can actually. oh yeah there you, you can go. All right. and it well, works well, at least you got that <laughs> um so i was responsible for that and i had to leave at a certain time to get there um and so i knew that if i was really going to grind and crank and put my head down i had to map out exactly my hours and if I missed a section of it, I would make it up. And so I couldn't miss, because I was coaching my son's team too. Um, by the way, we're the number one in the conference and one game short of hey. Super Bowl. Hey, he'll but, brag yeah. about his son. He'll <laughs> I'll, brag about his I'll son. I'll brag about my son. I've coached those guys for like five years. And How old are your kids? Middle. My son's 14, my daughter's 12, and my other son's eight. They, so. He has the most incredible kids. Like, they're good kids. It's they're, really no, cool. they're like- It's my wife. They're tier, mm -hmm. they're like top tier 
your kids are also top tier. His kids are like. Well, there's still some. We'll see how they turn out. There, there's some that are still early. a little squirrely. It's a little but his, soon to tell. But his are pretty awesome, dude. I don't know. We'll Kim, see. We'll see how they turn no, out. No, but right? Kimo's like the coolest kid that yeah, I know. He's, the cool he's thing amazing. though is like now is like as we're the opportunity is so good and we start to attract people that are at various phases in their life. Like yeah. when this all started, we were yeah. all like early like door to door kids, and we didn't really have families and we had young kids. But now like. I've been doing this job for 17 years. You started this job. Like, there's not many people that started this job like right. when I was in high school, which you did. So you and like Jeremy right. Marshall. You got guys like Xanthos and guys like, and, like yeah. and Duff Dyer who come but, in. Yeah, but like yeah. the fact that you're able to have a life and still have the success that you've built, like people need to pay attention to how you architected that mm-hmm. yeah. because a lot of people just subscribe to the fact that it was like, well, I can't do, be successful at the job because I, you know, I have to do this for my family. Eric was texting yeah. me on like Tuesday mornings at 8.30 already out on the doors. And the first five welcome calls I did with them, they were all morning. Like <laughs> yeah. we all went, there was Old one that was people. evening, but they were all like morning Think about that, dude, calls. because like if someone's going to sell you solar or someone's going to come do your water heater, when are you going to do it? Right. You better morning. show up before I leave. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I can hang back like one day, but it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you can come over at eight, that'd actually be it's ideal. Better, we just right? get it in our heads that that's not how you that's can right. do it. That's right. It's so you know true. Because I mean? no matter when you knock, there's a portion of people home and you can't knock at between eight to 11 and think that I'm gonna get the four to six people. No, you're gonna get a certain group of people yeah. at this time. And you just, and at that eight to 11, I just knew that I was gonna have a couple hours of nobody answered. Yeah, and yeah. I was, I, because I concluded that in the beginning, I was fine to go two, three hours of nobody answering the doors because I knew that I was gonna get the two or three old moms that were there and I could get those. So mm-hmm. that's what I focused on. But if I didn't get those hours in, I made it up late on Friday, I would have to miss certain things with the family or I'd have to knock after my kids' football games, you know? Right. So he was a success story, like, really right out of the gates. Um, And the the best part about it was what I told him at the very beginning was all you need to focus on right now is get 10 ACs every week, right? That was Mm -hmm. it. Well, in the beginning you said, so this is, so this goes back to the whole just do whatever Turnbull says, is he, Turnbull was really good at just mapping it out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, just get, get the three and one, three and one, three and one. But then there was a point when, um, and there's probably more to the story about, you kept shoving your foot up my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just gotta get 10 ACs. And I yeah. kind of questioned it and I was like, okay. And it always comes back to, okay, the premise was I'm just gonna do whatever Turnbull says. So, okay, I'll get my 10 ACs. And so I'd go out and, Turnbull's right because even if I didn't get my 10 ACs, I got six or seven ACs. Like, yeah, man, that's that's really great advice. And I, that strangely, that was my goal when I started. Every single week was I would I would try to create 10 and I try to install half of them. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you fall short, but you know the the head games. That's where the energy goes when you're like, oh well, I got six really good ones, so I don't have to do four oh, more. Right. That that even entertaining that thought process is going to affect your performance. That's but right. if you can just say, well, six isn't 10, so I just keep going. Yeah. That always will lead to this, to the result that you want. That's but that's right. funny that you picked that number. I didn't know that. Well, th- the reason I picked the number is because that's what Chance told me. When I was oh, coming really? out to do this job, I said, we're I said, all just Chance. frauds. Somebody <laughs> somewhere started this thing. That's right, dude. Just copy <laughs> That's right. But I, 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 and I say that all the time. Like Derek just said, don't, don't get cute, right? Don't right. reinvent the wheel. Like people have already done this. So when I, when I asked Chance, I just said, hey, man, I've never, I've never done this job. I don't know what these guys really do. Like, what, what do I need to go do? And he said, just focus on getting 10 ACs a week. So that's, I focused on that. And then I got onto the leaderboard. Remember how we used to do the leaderboard? Mm-hmm. I got onto the leaderboard in the top 20 installs in the, in the company. 
And once I had done that, Chance said, hey, good job. You've shown everyone you know how to sell. Now get your office to 20 installs a week. And so that became the shift in my focus was like going to 20. And the thing it makes me think about, and we've been talking about this recently, is um, is Alex Smith. I think I told you a little mm-hmm. bit about this, but he was a quarterback here in San Diego in high school. He, he was Reggie Bush's quarterback. And he was uh, recruited by the University of Utah, went there. Their coaching staff was terrible. They got fired and Urban Meyer came in to be the coach. And no, he was the coach of Bowling Green before that. No one knew who he was. Hmm. So he became the coach and turned Alex into this yeah, into this beast quarterback, right? Who went number one. They took the they went undefeated. Um, he was in the Heisman running. He uh, he went number one in the draft that next year, and he's had an incredible NFL career. But two years ago, in 2018, he in, in a game he was playing in, he had a compound fracture in his knee where, where in his leg, yeah, where his bone, <laughs> yeah, where his bone was sticking out of his shin, right? And anyway, if, neoprene. If, yeah, yeah neoprene. He needed tight. to wrap that Body thing glove. up, dude. Yeah. That's right. Well, well, the crazy thing is, long story short, watch ESPN Project 11. It's a, like a 60 for 60 thing or whatever they did. And it's, it's awesome. We're outside the lines or whatever. But it's awesome they do his story. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was so crazy that he got flesh-eating bacteria in his leg. Oh. And it ate his whole entire leg. And they were like, well, we're going to have to amputate your leg. Because, this is the most intense thing ever. Yeah, because you're going to die. This like, happened to a man in modern day? Yeah, dude. They said you're going to die. Like They went into life-saving mode because they were like, you're going to die. We're going to have to cut your leg off. Luckily, they were able to save it below the knee. And they had to take... They had to rebuild his leg. He had 18 surgeries done. They had to rebuild his entire leg. And his goal was, his first goal was, I want to be able to like play with my kids again. But his secondary goal is I want to play NFL. I want to play quarterback in the NFL again. Well, there's only 32 guys at a time that can play quarterback in the NFL, right? With two healthy So that is, Mm -hmm. and he's four, he'd been in the league already 14 years. So he, like anyone else, it would have been they like, retired, I'm hey, gone. I'm good. I've played for yeah. 14 years. I've made a ton of money. I'm good. But he just had this thing. And a few weeks ago, like two or three weeks ago, he went, he, the guy, his quarterback got hurt and he got in the game and played oh, in really? the game. And his family, it's incredible. his family, like he threw his first completion, his family jumped up and they were freaking out. They were so excited. Crazy. But I thought about it and I was like, how did he get back to that point? You know that he called every expert together and said, what do I need to do? And they said, eat this, sleep this many hours, show up to this place, do this many reps of this, and just over and over and over. And they're like, look, your prescription could be, you're just walk again. Your prescription could be, you're going to be a a runner or you're going to be an NFL quarterback, whatever the prescription is. So if you're, if you're a rep listening to this and you're new, What's the prescription to get the 10 welcome calls in my combine? What's the prescription to get to 10 installs and, and get into prime? What's the prescription to getting it to become a squad leader and a DM? And I think that's the thing that Eric's done is that every step he's come to me and said, okay, what do I need to do next? And I've told him, okay, dude, like it's going to be really hard. And I told you last quarter, I'm like, you have to do 30 installs this quarter. I told him that's exactly the number he had to hit was 30 installs. And you went and did 30 installs, right? (laughs) It wasn't, that wouldn't have happened if it wouldn't have been the plan, right? And so I just, I think about it, like, as you've done that though, because I think a lot of people will get comfortable. Like you made a hundred grand your first 60 days. Mm -hmm. You could have gotten comfortable, but we did that Hawaii incentive 
thanks like when you started last year, which was whoever can do three and one consecutive three ACs, one welcome call for the most consecutive weeks, um, what gets to go to Hawaii. And that started last November November. and it just finished in like July Hmm. and Eric won and he's taken Denise to Hawaii. But what is it about that that has allowed you to like continue to be engaged, continue to perform at a high level and keep shooting for the next thing? You mean the three and one or the prescription? Yeah, just the prescription. So what I'm grateful for is that you just outlined it really clearly. And I don't think, maybe you were intentional about it. I don't know. I just didn't realize that that was happening. Um, but, and the key probably to all this was that I had been so beat up in my previous careers that when I came in, it's not that this is easy, but for the mental pain and anguish and, and the downfalls we would go through, this was from a, from a life matter, it was just, it was easy. I just had to go out and work. That's it. As long as you work, the money would come. And so for me, it was a, this really, this foundation of just humility. Like just, I'm just grateful to be here. I'm just grateful. I don't have a CEO following with me all the time. I'm just grateful <laughs> that I don't have to worry about the board or the VC. Like I always go back to that cause I'm just grateful I didn't have to deal with that. So when I came in, it was whatever you want me to do, I will do. And there was moments I would question that I go, forget it, just do whatever you said. So it was starting with the, be consistent, get the 10 ACs. And then that three in one thing really, and obviously my goal was a beat to smash that every week, but I just was consistent and the consistency of always hitting at least the three and one, even if it was late Saturday night, I would call a buddy and say, hey dude, I need to set you up in solar. I'm gonna give you a massive deal. And and you would think that those didn't work out, but four out of the five actually went to install and they're stoked, you know? Dude, you know, the thing is though, like I remember talking to Jesse Itzler and he said, when he came and spoke to our leadership group, he said, there's the beginning of the movie and there's the end. And those are, those are gonna happen. The middle part, that, that hasn't been determined yet. Yeah. So like I'm hearing you saying, okay, on Saturday night, I called up a friend because I had to hit this number. But, and, and to a lot of people listening, that sounds crazy. They're like, bro, just go home and get two on Monday. Knowing that you actually probably won't get two on Monday, but that's the way, the wor- that's yeah, the way you think. Right. But the fact that you're like, okay, your mind from what it sounds like is I have eight, it's eight. I need two more. How could I get two more? Well, I could call a friend. And it's not, do I want to do that? Do I want to be that guy? It's just, no, that's a possibility. But it works, dude. <laughs> Honestly, like if I had a friend that called me and said, hey, listen, I need to, I need to, to, to push two more refis through. Have you ever looked at refinancing your home? I'd probably think of it. And I yeah. wouldn't be like, you're making it weird. Right. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I mean, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just in our head that it becomes weird, right? Always, and I think you have this ability to like, you're like a kind of a calming presence because you don't spend a lot of energy on nonsense. It's like, so many people spend so much time worrying about stuff that never actually happens. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that's made you a really good recruiter. So maybe just because I haven't actually seen a person recruit as many people as you have in such a short period of time. I mean, you've built your own squad. You have 14 direct recruits. You've had people that have already you recruited and didn't work out. So that's that's not all the people you've recruited. <laughs> those are those just up. the ones. That, <laughs> we you know all what I'm talking about. All have them. <laughs> yeah. So what what uh, how does that process work for you? Like, how do you reach out to your personal network and get people engaged like that? Well, at the start, I just have to say, I mean, I I'm grateful that Nate Dirkmatt was one of my first, and I'm just giving a shout out to Nate. Nate's been a huge part of that, so yeah. I don't want to overlook that because. Not only is he kicking butt as well, but he he's brought on guys too. So, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, it's as much as I'd love to take credit, it's a lot of the team 
those individuals that I've reached out to that are doing it, right? Um, I'm just lucky to be part of it. But um, in terms of reaching out, I think it, it, it all came down to <laughs> that point where I just had to be comfortable with the fact that I'm a door-to-door guy. Like I, I remember being scared to knock on my own neighborhood because I didn't want people to know I was a door-to-door guy. Yeah. And I finally got to the point in Encinitas, I don't care, I'll just knock anywhere. Oh yeah, I do door-to-door sales. And I'm totally fine not being the VC guy. I'm totally fine. I just sell solar. I'm a door-to-door Isn't guy. it such a relief though? <laughs> yeah. I actually so remember a similar time. Powerful. A similar time. Because it's like I would never, like with previous door-to-door things, I would never knock my own neighborhood. But now, one of the things that I'm proud of is my street. It's like every other house yeah. that either me or the next door neighbor that we hired to work for us did. And <laughs> right. it's like, dude, I'm like more offended if you don't get it from me. It's like, oh, that, yeah. no, I'm the solar guy. It's a flip, right? It's a flip. <laughs> but it's weird switch. because it was only the it was only in my head. Like nobody else was like, oh, he's a door to door. I don't yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. But I did. I did remember like consciously when that moment arrived for me that I was like, oh, wow. It felt like I was carrying this pack and just put it down. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's better. I don't even need any of that crap in there anyway. Exactly. Yeah. You know? It's like a low, it, it's really, and it was really empowering, specifically for me being somewhat cocky, arrogant, and chasing title, just to just get used to the fact, yeah, I'm a door-to-door guy. I don't care. So when people ask, yeah, I, do, I, do, I sell solar, door-to-door. And then they'll always ask. And then inevitably it comes to just, yeah, I do it because the money's amazing. I make 100 grand in my first 60 days. And then I just leave it at that. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, plus when they know where I came from yeah. too, like we always make good money. So when I, all I have to do is kind of mention that, but I don't make it a big deal. Um, the numbers speak for themselves and people always ask. And then I'll say, yeah, you should just come check it out. And that's really kind of how it works. Now, obviously if more people, you once you, they get a bite, you just start following up a little bit more. But um, I think it's just being comfortable, just talking about it and not making it, a, don't have to make it weird. So yeah. I, you did it from the very beginning, though. Like when when you first started, like your first week, you're like, "Hey, dude, I got this guy. Let's go grab breakfast with them." And yeah. it was like, it was like immediately I was with you, two or three times well, you a told week. Me to we were. What else should we tell me. Eric to do, man? <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah, He's like a true. genie. He just, I mean, I tell everyone the same stuff, dude. He just does it. So, <laughs> like, what do you want me to do, man? We should shoot higher. <laughs> well, you know, one one cool thing I'll say about Eric too, dude, though, no, it's okay. I can. There's all I can handle. <laughs> hey, I told him 30 insults. He did it. Maybe this quarter we say 50, and he'll do That's that. What I'm but I, 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 one thing about Eric, apart from you know, like he does, he, he like. I'll say, hey, do this, and he'll go out and he'll really do it. But Eric is really, um, the influence that he's brought to the office is that he's very, he's really selfless in the way that he helps reps. Like he'll he'll go out of his way to help anyone do anything and help anyone be successful. Um, he also, though, reaches out to me consistently and says, hey, man, what can I do for you? Mm. He, all the time. Like he'll just call me. Not to, not with any agenda or anything. We'll just talk, and at the end, he'll be like, "Hey, dude, what what can I do for you? Like, I know you're slammed. I know you're busy. Like, what can I take off your plate for you?" And most of the time, I don't I don't tell him anything, you know, specifically. But it it just that's such an important thing because that opens up the conversation of like, well, here's where I see your next step being, and here's what I need you to focus on right now, because if Eric wins. It's a it's a win for me, and it helps everyone in the office, and and that's been that, that's been a real he's been a real consistent presence over the last you know over the last twelve months. He came in, and then COVID hit, and that could have been a huge excuse, but instead he's 
you know, he's thrived through that. So it reminds me of that Jim Rohn quote. Have you guys seen that? <clears throat> where um, it, it, he's talking about relationships, but it's the same thing in, in work and relationships. Where he basically says the most um, important thing you can do for another person is take care of yourself. Like <laughs> think about that in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like what can I do for you? I'm like, do you, if you're dialed, I'm dialed. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that that's really that's right. true in like a, especially a team. It's like, what can I do for you? The, that's the, the thing I love about like a pure, like, like economic, like ecosystem where it's like, you're incentivized to do volume. It just so happens the best thing for the team is you do volume. Right. So it, it, it inevitably turns into handle yourself. And so it's always weird advice to give sales leaders to say, hey, be selfish in your, in your pursuits. But mm-hmm when the incentive is set up that that's actually how you add value it's a really it's a really unique place to be mm-hmm. because if i think about your old job like <clears throat> here it's 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 a meritocracy it's it's go in there and perform and receive the reward but your job is to perform the most helpful thing is to perform mm-hmm. so do that and then everybody's happy right. it's really a unique place to find yourself yeah. there's not a whole lot of like positioning in politics and if they just know because at the end of the day you have your numbers you know? yeah. yeah, and I used to say to you at the beginning, "Hey, dude, like, here's what you need to do to get into leadership." And what would you what would you tell me? <laughs> I was like, I don't want leadership. <laughs> I left managing or leading a huge organization. Last thing I want is a leader. I just just leave me alone. Just let me do my thing. Yeah. So I didn't chase. I didn't want it. Yeah, you said all. that to me for a while. It was like four or five months. I said it to you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said it for a while. But one thing you always say, Ty, and. Um, I mean, I think most of the stuff I say, I just hear you say, and I, I end up just saying it to other people. <laughs> you know, but, this uh, weird like thing going around because I probably got it from someone else. Yeah, sure, <laughs> of course, we all get our stuff from yeah, other people. No original stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exactly right. So I just I said to Eric, I was like, what you always say is, if you're a leader, you should be leading. Like leaders should be leading. And yeah. I said that to you one day, and I think that's probably like the time that it hit you, right? That was a kick in my butt. So you had already kind of. Um, I guess really the, the main message of this podcast or recording, whatever it is, just do whatever Taylor says. Cause he knows, <laughs> yeah, that's not it. Which is what that's Ty told it. him to say to me. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, um, that's what it is. But, do it, follow uh, Ty. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, so all these little things he would always say, um, be intentional. Um, you'd always say, uh, lead from the front. So like no matter what you do is lead from the front. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was one out and it just pounded the doors. And then eventually it was like make a presence or, it was so impactful, I forgot it. <laughs> but, um, and then you would always push me to consider leadership. I'm like, God, ah, just, just give me time, give me time. And then you just said, dude, you're just, this is what you do. This is who you are. And then that kind of hit me too. And I just thought about, you know what? He's right. And my wife, I mentioned it to my wife. And she's like, yep, yeah, Taylor knows you. So that's who yeah. you are. So you got to just step up and take advantage of it. You know, it's the, it's the parable of the talents, right? You just got to, not that I'm amazing or anything, but I know that it's, it's in me and now I want it, but it was before it was, I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're built to progress, man. Like think about like, you know, like even like the, like the biological evolution of humans. But then think of like, I was thinking today, for some reason we were talking about counting or like shunk shunking, you know, yeah. like what was that? I can't remember, but. We're making was, a fishbowl collecting tickets. Was that yeah, right? yeah, yeah, collecting for, for the combine. And I thought back to a job that I did where I used to have to clock in. And then I thought, Shushunk. it's crazy, like shushunk. <laughs> and then I was like, how did, what did they do? Like take that like paper thing and then write it down and then write right. me a check. I don't know how it worked, yeah. but the evolution of like technology, like we are built to evolve. Yeah. And when you get complacent, depressed, 
in a funk, it's usually because you've stopped evolving. And That's it's right. really common for, for sales leaders or people that have that skill set, we've all seen it, where <clears throat> they say, they justify it with money and they say, well, the, I mean, that's two accounts. And it's like, yeah, but that for some reason you were built to evolve. So if if you can lead, then you should, because mm -hmm. honestly, like it's better for my family. It's better for my teams. It's better for my mental health. It's better for my confidence. It's better for my like life experience to be in that flow of evolution or else I'm not happy. Right. right. Like, but it's weird because sometimes we think, well, it's a money thing. Well, that the money you attract it right it follows that but it doesn't go first and it shouldn't serve as the primary right. motivator and so i've really learned that lesson too where it's like if you can lead then you should but i love your story because it's always stuff that you knew you should do and reluctantly you get there and then you crush it at it you know <laughs> that's true you're like that's all his fault <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't there for the bob you're just stuff, this big dude. reluctant success man that's you that's uh, you dude i mean i don't want to yeah, i don't want to paint the wrong picture i definitely that's why I came here to do, but I needed, uh, I needed a little prodding, you know? Well, you are intentional about it, right? That's the thing is it's not accidental. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll admit openly, a part of me wants to portray that so that I don't come across as arrogant because that is my flaw, pride and arrogance. But, um, and that I'm just a cocky guy. So it's always there, but. I haven't seen that side of you, dude. What do we need to do? Just like, I hide it. I play hide football. It. We need like a turkey bowl and like, <laughs> let me like I hide be it. on the sidelines. <laughs> I haven't seen it in me there. I've known him for a long time. I hide so. it. Tr ask my wife. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've I've been super grateful for all of this. It's like, it's been for us. It's been life changing because for those that are listening that think that this is going to be hard and um, have a hard time making a decision, it's it's not. The hard part is just accepting the fact that you are a door to door salesman. Um, but that's not even that hard once you do it because you're making. I mean, the cash that we make, and we always like I said, we were talking earlier. I made always make good money, but now I'm in control of when I get it. Like before I'd have to wait for an acquisition. I'd have to wait for the board to release distributions or whatever. Now it's just every week. <laughs> I just yeah. get a paycheck. And it's and a how big many times paycheck. has the CEO called to see where you are? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't Actually, know what to do if like my boss called me and was like, hey, where are you right now? Are you working? And be like, what is, what is this? What is this? Like, <laughs> yeah. You have something to say? Like, what? You know? Well, if you're talking about my wife, she calls quite a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta just Different like, CEO. Yeah. She just needs to turn on find my iPhone. Dude, <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. Well, it's been awesome having you on, dude. I, I appreciate your story and thank you so much for, for being willing to share. Um, I'm excited for the next chapter. We, we always try to have the franchise guys on because the way that you think is really important. Mm -hmm. So I hope that, um, you know, for the leaders, and it's cool to have you guys both here together that have had this kind of developmental journey. And, um, you know, hopefully I think everybody can tell that it's a really cohesive <laughs> group, but you guys have the same mission, same goal, and it's working really well. So appreciate you being on, brother. Excited to see what you accomplish in the near future. And thank you guys for joining us. And this has been another episode of Electric People. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric. <laughs>